So we took last week off from the podcast, and this week at church, we did sort of a recap, went back through the first few months of texts that we've been looking at to try to draw out themes and kind of apply what we talked about last week, which is righteousness, to all those texts. So a lot going on, a lot to talk about, but what do you want to talk about in particular first, Daniel? Oh, yeah, like that that righteousness as like kind of a key thing to the other texts. We talked about a little bit the Jesus hermeneutic, but like as as important it is to like use Jesus as a hermeneutic, a good understanding of righteousness is super important to have because like before we had that conversation, um, like on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I don't know that I had like the full revelation of what righteousness was. I probably understood it more by that kind of you get what you deserve uh, mm-hmm. understanding. Yeah. And so I don't want to go back into that because we've done yeah. now two sermons and I went into it last podcast. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go jump back to one of those, get yeah. the details. But it was basically short, long story short, righteousness is all about relationships and fulfilling your obligation within a relationship. It's not adhering to some abst- abstract checklist of sins that you ought not commit. Yeah. And, and what we're what we're finding, I think, as we do all these studies that it, <laughs> just like everything within Christianity has way more to do with relationship than I think anyone was ever taught. Yeah. And I think that's a, a monumental understanding and, and re-understanding that we got to get through our heads. It comes out of and, and is on display in this like truer understanding of righteousness. I mean, so much of the, the text before I came to that understanding and, and saw that or was shown that, I, you know, you go back and you read a lot of the Psalms and the prophets and the ways in which they're appealing to God's righteousness to do things for them just really doesn't make sense if you understand, you know, God's righteousness being the fact that he's sinless. But once you understand that God's righteousness is his nature being obligated to do things within a relationship, well, then that makes a lot of sense. I think it opens up a lot of windows and understanding that's not there if you don't have that fuller understanding of it. So we went back to church for the first time in in a little over three months this week. And that relationship stuff, like being together with God's people, like, because I've been recording worship in my attic and like, it's fun. And, and, you know, I have a time with the Lord while I'm doing it, but like getting together with God's people in relationship together and worshiping him, like there is something different there. Like there's a noticeable change, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We're made for that, right? Like we were built, if we believe the story that we're talking about, and we certainly do, but if you're buying the biblical narrative, I mean, the story we're telling and we talked about this a little bit towards the end on Sunday, like we're telling a story about a God who created a world to be in relationship with and for those of us who are created to be in relationship with one another. And what we didn't talk a whole lot about, I don't think, is that, I mean, we've hinted at, but this this idea of righteousness as as is the case with love, which we've talked about, you know, for weeks now, but that there's a, there's a vertical element to that relationship, which is between you and God, and then a horizontal one, which is you to other people. But those are two sides of the same thing. Right, and so like we right. we in our brains separate them, but they're not to be separated. And so we are we are created in a way to be in relationship with God, but also to be in other people. And so as we worship God, there certainly is time and place for doing that individually and going off and finding you know a quiet space or in nature, or, you know wherever you want to do that, some solitude for reflection and prayer and worship. You always got to come back to you know like you're saying like we had the Sunday for the first time in over three months, this corporate time of coming together 
to worship God together. I mean, it's it's a fundamental piece of the story that we got to understand. Like I posted on Instagram that like, I really hope we cherish those moments together. We realize, like, especially through like the pandemic, like where we haven't been able to meet, you can't really gather with your family safely. And like, you know, there's a lot of people alone. Like, I really hope we soak up these moments together and, you know, really just be in the moment. You know, like a lot of times in worship, you know, we're thinking about the fight that we just had with our spouse on the way there or, you know, like what what we're going to get for dinner after. Like, you know, people's minds just drift, you know, but like I feel like we have a new appreciation, at least I do, for that time together. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's the old adage, you don't miss something until it's gone. And we've had a time when it's had to be gone. Yeah, I think I think a lot of churches, most churches have had that experience. Certainly, they're those that never close down. But for most of us, we've had this time apart in a way. And I think there are some people who realize they didn't miss it, and they're not coming back. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that says that says something, right? Like, I, I guess one of the questions we got to ask ourselves is, did you really miss it? You know, if if you didn't miss it, one of two things is broken: either your community's broken, or you're broken. Yeah. <laughs> right. This either doesn't matter to you, or you don't have a full understanding of it, and that could be because you just don't. You just don't care. You know, you're not really in this thing. Or it may be that your community is not really the community that it ought to be and it's not something worth missing. I guess yeah. either of those are options. Yeah, I, I think like like in a lot of ways this feels like starting over for us because there wasn't like a whole lot of community built, you know. Like we had like what, three weeks to kind of kick yeah. off and yeah. you know, start that start you know, community and start doing that. And we still have to do it at a distance. But like, for me, it kind of reinforces like, oh, this is very important. Like, we got to pay attention to this. And I think going forward, we, we'll, we'll need to be real careful or intentional about making sure that that, you know, that community is, is maintained well. I mean, and certainly in our lifetime, there's not been a, been a situation where this has happened. I mean, when's the last time when you couldn't go to church for three months? You couldn't interact with people. You couldn't interact with your family. And, and so I think a lot of us just very much took it for granted as this is what we get to do. And I'm immediately remembering, you know, James in his, I think it's the fourth chapter, his, book, his letter was talking about, like when he addresses the merchants, he's, you know, they say, you, he says, you, you guys say you're going to the, the market tomorrow. And what you should be saying is, you know, if God wills it, you know, I'll, I'll be able to do that. And I think there's a certain sense of, sense of, hey, this isn't given to us every day necessarily. You know, this is a gift and we need to enjoy it. And God willing, we'll be together this week and next week and the week after, but nothing's a given and we need to not take it for granted. Yeah, I think that goes back and plays too to one of the things you talked about and that's the apocalyptic worldview. You know, right. that we need to have some sort of sense of urgency and sense of like really being in the moment. I know for me that's hard because like I'm just, you know, I'm a dreamer. And, you know, for <laughs> for people you know, that like are always, you know, got their head in the clouds or their head in the future. Like that, that apocalyptic worldview kind of, kind of sits you back down and says, you know, hey, we, we need to be, you know, kind of vigilant. We need to be looking at right now and what's going on now. I think it goes both ways. As I'm hearing you say that, you know, like I think the purpose of what, you know, James and Paul, as we've talked about, are trying to do for his churches is to give them a longer term, truer dream and vision. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That then, right, that then forces us into sort of the stark reality of the now. So I think as you're talking about, I mean, let's just talk kind of generally about, you know, dreamers and, and people who have 
plans for the future. We're usually talking about the future of our, our lives, like the, the, you know, five, 10 years, what can we build here and now? And I right. guess what, what we're being called to is realizing that, well, that really doesn't matter at all. Right. Uh, who are you to put dreams together for five or 10 years? Like realize there is this ultimate reality that will be for forever, for eternity. So what does your five or 10 year plan matter? <laughs> right. Well, and, yeah. and I think that, you know, and, and I don't want to say that it doesn't, plans don't matter, but what I sit around and dream about and want in a five or 10 year window probably doesn't matter in light of eternity. And so maybe, maybe it's calling us to dream and plan better. Getting that eternal perspective on our dreams and plans is, is a necessity. Sure. We do have sort of this disconnected kind of, well, at least I do, like a disconnected sense of, you know, like right now where I'm planning for me and I'm planning for my future and what I'm going to do to provide for my family and, and so on and so forth. But like Paul and James, they, they're looking to call us back to, you know, God has a, has a plan <laughs> yeah. and you like, you got to go to his plan. <laughs> right. Well, and, and as I'm hearing you say that, you know, like you, you described that as a disconnected plan and, as I'm hearing you talk, you're talking about, you know, being connected to God's plan and God's eternal reality. But I'm, all, you know, I'm thinking about my experience as I'm going through my life and trying to plan a business or the church or, you know, what's going to happen with our house and our family. And, you know, do, do my kids have what they need in five years? A lot of times what happens is I get so wrapped up in, you know, my plans in providing for my family that I not only disconnect from God and God's eternal reality, right? That would impact or change or at least frame those plans. But then I just go through my life disconnected from people because the focus is not the relationships that I have with those people around me in my daily life. I'm so, I got my head down and I'm so focused on, you know, the, the five, 10 year window. And, and is that happening that the relationships kind of become disconnected? And, and it seems like, especially like when it comes to business, you look at, you know, people that you see are successful and like nine times out of 10, they'll tell you that it was the relationships that, that made them successful anyway, right? Grouping that relationship stuff back in ultimately is going to help us, you know, anyway. I think there's an interesting conversation there to be had there too, because I think a lot of times it's the, the business relationships, but you also hear that a lot of people who are really successful sacrificed personal relationships. Oh. Right. And so that, like there's a, maybe a, a nuance in there. Yeah, who you know matters in our world when it comes to business. That's absolutely true. But if you're so focused on a business mindset and, and those are your goals and that's the purpose in your life, who are you trampling over and who, who's getting neglected and what relationships are you missing out on that in the end are we going to be what's, I mean, that's what's going to be left. When right. God recreates the world, like, you know, every indication that we have given what the first creation was, the garden, like th there'll be work to do. You know, but it's going to be work maintaining the world and taking caretaking. It isn't like I got to build a multi-million dollar business. Right. You know, that, that's that's sort of work. I, I'm, I, you know, I can't, you know, you can't say for sure, but it's probably not going to be around. What's going to be left is relationships with God and with the people. So like, let's spend time doing that. Let's make sure we can put food on the table and a house over our heads and worry about loving people. And, you know, as we said, making, making things right. And, and that's a big piece of making things right is bringing people into relationships and, and mending relationships and establishing new ones. And that's, that's the point. It kind of goes back to like, you preached a sermon, I think it was before we got into the New Testament series 
about Ecclesiastes, you know, just yeah. finding finding a toil that you enjoy and enjoying, you know, family. <laughs> and and that's that's just like the like that's not hard. <laughs> not like, terribly. I mean, I I think people do struggle to find something that they really enjoy doing, but a lot of times that's difficult because they have sort of a dual purpose. They want to enjoy what they do, but they also want to make a ton of money. Yeah. And those things don't always line up, you know, and, and yeah, you're right. The, the writer, the, the purpose of Ecclesiastes is basically say like, Hey, all the, all of these plans for, you know, business success and fame and uh, notoriety and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff that ultimately that didn't mean a, that didn't mean a daggone thing. Yeah. Well, well being faith, faithful with what you have, being content with what you have, I think is a, like a major key to like putting relationships in, in God's plan first. Like, yeah, what I have here is okay. And I need to learn to be okay with that. And well, I would, I would even go further to, and say like, what you have doesn't matter at all. Right. Oh it's yeah. Not a, like it's not matter of like being content with the thing you have, but realizing that the thing you have has or don't have has no bearing on your, your joy. Like that's the point of Ecclesiastes is what you have or don't have. That's really not part of the equation. The equation is who you have, right? And and are you, are you spending the time building relationships? It's it's about people and God, right? Back to love God, love people. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, yeah. yeah, yes, absolutely. Life can get difficult if you don't have the resources to get by. Yeah. And that's where we as the church who have resources need to really step up, you know, and, and make sure that the people around us have what they need. Yeah. And then beyond that, it's, it's just a matter of establishing friendships and family relationships and, and, and making the family bigger. Right. Um, but, but I, th- I think, I think part of what this whole project is about when it, we talk about, you know, the, the, New Testament writers, you know, instilling this apocalyptic mindset is driving home this idea that it doesn't, you know, those things, things and, and success, th- those things don't matter. Like they're all going to fade away. They're all going to be for naught. And so I, I guess if you're gifted with success, the question is, what, what are you doing with that success? You know, and I don't know that we're saying throw it, you know, throw everything you've got away, but right. <laughs> what's, the, what's the purpose, right? Right. If it's all framed within that purpose of relationship and what God's trying to do in the world, well, then, then it has real meaning. Right. But you can still enjoy relationships and people without stuff. So what are you, what are you thinking or how are you feeling as we, you know, as you mentioned, we're sort of relaunching yeah. in, in a way. Uh, I mean, our situation is a little weird because we've got, you know, obviously a church that's been there for 200 years. So there is a community there that's been there their entire life. And so they did have that sort of taken away. Uh, and so they're coming back to that and enjoying kind of rekindling those relationships. But then there are a lot, you know, those of us who are new to that community, who it does feel like, hey, it's it's all new and we're starting over. Um, yeah. So I think, how, how are you feeling about all that? I think for me, like in the past, I used to like plan a lot. Like, so the wife and I were youth pastors. And so like, we'd make all these, you know, plans on how to, you know, build community and, and this and that. And like, I don't, I don't know, this is just like a little more refined version of the idea, but like, it's almost like taking it slow, but like, you know, having people over for, for small group, having people over for dinner and, you know, really getting to know them. Like, I feel like is, is going to be more of a focus than it was in the past. Like, when we got into ministry, uh, one of our mentors told us, he said, the most important thing is relationship, relationship, relationship. And like on every angle, it's it's been true. You know, it's been the kids that 
<clears throat> that like learned the most and grew the most from us were kids that like we helped their we helped their mom move or you know we paid for their trip and took them with us on certain things like or you know we had a hot meal for them you know one day a week every week and we sat down and ate and chatted about their school day just realizing that like that's far more important than like all the programs and <laughs> like like churches mm-hmm. churches I think are like real like program heavy right now I don't know that that's wrong, but like it's more about the relationship than the program. Programs are helpful, and you know all these systems that that you'll have are, are somewhat necessary. But at the same time, you can't overlook the main thing, and that's that's relationships. So for me, it's just that refocusing on relationships, and it's it's not as quick, you know, as you know, come to the Wednesday night Bible study, and we have you know. You do something at your Wednesday night Bible study that like gets 50 people there. Well, I have 50 people here. Check. Like that's no longer on my radar. Now it's like, how deep can I go in relationship with a few people? And how, how can I disciple a few people? And like, how can I really, you know, mentor and speak into people's lives? Yes. No, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow. I mean, that is the practical application of everything we've been talking about. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, not not to repeat everything we just said in no. one succinct form, but well, but th- that is. I mean, that's we've been talking about ideas and theories, but like that, that's that's the way forward, right? If if we're going to take what we've been teaching and what we've been talking about seriously, it's it's got to be that. And you know, as as the, the the ones that are sort of responsible for putting the Sunday together and and thinking strategically and thinking about programs and like that side of it. You're right. It's so easy to sit, you know, to sit back and think, okay, you know, if we had another handful of band members and we could, you know, a few more cameras and lights and, you know, create a better production, then we're going to get more people in the door. And it's like, well, that's, that's not what we're trying to do here. That's just creating this atmosphere of coming experience or of a music, a, a passive consumption experience rather than a, a relationship experience. Yep. And, you know, you definitely want a certain level of quality to everything you do, especially when you're doing it for God and trying to worship. But, yeah, man, if we, could, if we can do this, like you say, slow and sort of relationship by relationship and, and make it really about people and, and the building of the family rather than programs and attracting, attracting numbers, yeah, I think well, we will have, I think, I, I mean, I think that's the lesson <laughs> to learn coming out of all this, right? <laughs> yeah, well, like, we just spent six, like, most churches spent almost a year either not meeting or barely meeting or, you know, anything like that. Like we have to realize that like a lot of our problems stem from not real relationships. We focus so much on the programs and the production and all this stuff that we have a great live stream, but we don't have a community and maybe the pendulum needs to shift or maybe like we need to go back to kind of, and you and I kind of talked about this uh, yesterday, like the New Testament realities and, and what happened in those contexts and what it was really like to be a Christian then, you know, and, and from what I can gather from, from the letters we've read, like it was a very uh, tight community that was in contact with each other, you know, almost daily, if not daily. Yeah. The, I mean, the churches that Paul's setting up, you know, were at the, at the most 50 people. Right, and and they were they were they were families. They were people that were dependent on each other. That that did share their resources because they had to. You know that when they became Christians and and the wider world found out about that, they were looked at as odd and and actually they were thought to be atheists because they didn't participate in the rituals and the and the religion of 
of the day, which was everywhere. So they, they seem to be rejecting everything divine when the, we know, of course, they have a, just a different understanding of what that means. But uh, they were, you know, they were, they became on their own. And so they were forced to become self-contained communities and, and dependent on each other. But we certainly don't have that level of persecution, really. But we need to find that, that community and that level of dependence on one another and, and sharing of life. I think that's real important. Yeah. It, like, uh, and it is like, we, we've talked about this before, that the New Testament was slower. Than what, we're not, like the new, they weren't gathering 3,000 people, you know? Right. They, were, they weren't creating mega churches. They were planning small churches and, you know, it was family by family, person by person. It wasn't some event, you know? I, I think we've run into some sort of event Christianity that's like, it's just weird, man. And it's not consistent with the gospel. You know, looking, looking forward, you know, I want to, you know, while I want a great production and, you know, I've been a musician for a while, so I like, I want things to sound a certain way and, you know, be a certain way. But <clears throat> more importantly, my relationships <laughs> and the people that I'm discipling and, you know, the people that disciple me, like, I'm going to lean into that. And, uh, you know, but like I said, it's slower. Um, but I think it's biblical <laughs> uh, as far as what, what we've read and what we've, we've looked into the last year. Like this is, this is closer to, I think, some sort of truer sense of, of uh, the early church. Um, and this works because what we've been doing, you know, if we look at the events of the past year, like what we've been doing has obviously not created great Christians <laughs> and it's not created great community. And I, I'm not even sure like what really it has done other than created some sort of like Christian ethic. Like these are the things that we believe and we'll die for these things. Um, but they're, they're not dying for the cause of Christ. They're not dying, but they're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. They're not putting, putting things on the line for other people and, and God. They're, they have a belief system that they've put up and, they're fighting to be right. Yeah, that's weird, man. Yeah. That ain't it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, as I'm hearing you think, and, you know, some of the things we've already talked about trying to do, you know, like the Friday night events and things like that, like much more around creating space for people to come and interact with each other rather than come and watch something. Yeah. To the extent that we can use our space and our resources to develop community rather than give a talk or a concert or something that's passive, if we can find ways to get people to engage with one another, well, that seems like kind of a no-brainer. Well, yeah, I think, you know, this is um, something that, that Mike has talked to us about a lot, and that's the mustard tree growing up, you know, so the birds of the air can nest um, within the mustard tree. At least for Zanesville, there's not a great sense of community anyway. You know, we all ride in our cars to work. You know, we go to that place, we work at that place, and we go home to our house. There's not a public square, I think, anymore, like a, you know, like a big, you know, marketplace where we're interacting with people as much, I think. Mm -hmm. And we've become somewhat disconnected. And I, I know working with young people, like, it's been really obvious. So my, my poor young kids <laughs> that lived close together... They had great community. Um, they knew how to interact with people and they had no problem with the conversation. But my middle-class kids um, who lived in a subdivision didn't know their neighbors. They didn't know how to interact and talk to people. Like, so 
it goes beyond, I think, the church. So for us to be able to create a place where there's community happening, where people are, you know, invited to come and enjoy each other and find out about each other and, and different things, like, I, that's important and that's worthwhile. All right, well, we are going to call it there and get back to work. Yes, sir. In our, in our local church, figuring, figuring this stuff out, you know, making plans and planning for the future, uh, hopefully in a, in a good framework with the right mindset, with that apocalyptic mindset we talked about, really focusing on relationships. So I just hope that all of you out there have gained something from the experience of the pandemic and, and hopefully it's helped us, helped us all to put things in perspective. So we'll catch you next week.